1: You
2: know what the best thing about the roundtable episodes is? What's that? We don't have to sing. Aha! We just get to present like we (laughs) normally do and host. Speaking of hosting, what's up everybody? This is the Game Nights Roundtable, the discussion after every Game Nights episode where we talk about all of the intricacies and all the things that happened in the episode, as well as what may have went wrong, what we may have done wrong, and what was also really awesome.
1: Yeah, we we answer sort of the most asked questions you have out there. Address a lot of the comments that are coming up frequently, uh yeah, this is gonna be a good one. We're talking about game nights, the commander twenty twenty episode Woo-hoo. this uh if you're watching this in the future, this is the one with Cassius Marsh and alias v and um, yeah, I guess w- well we'll hold give on. our let's get well. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. Oh yeah, I'm Josh Lee Kwai. How's it? Whoa, oh my, uh, what was yeah. that order? <laughs> yeah, it's a different it's a different series. I don't have to do, I don't have to sing. <laughs> I don't even have to say how's it. That's true. <laughs> the, the, the chains are off. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> oh no. <laughs>
2: uh,
1: let's just give our normal spoiler alert warning. There's no way to do uh, a series or a show like this without spoiling what's in the episode that we're talking about. So yep. if you have not seen the Game Nights episode for Commander 2020, hit pause on this. Go watch that. Come back all right, uh, also normal normal disclaimer we're not calling anybody dumb or stupid for the oh, questions right. they ask. This is you know we're not going to address questions for the most part that only a couple people ask we're, we're addressing the big ones that a lot of people ask, so anybody that's name gets put on screen and we say actually that's not correct because of this. That is something that a lot of people were confused about. And, mm-hmm. and I've said this before. I consider that to be sort of our fault as the showrunners, storytellers, and that we didn't explain things very well. So hopefully we can rectify that here.
2: Uh, otherwise, you're going to get your name up on the screen if, yeah. you're, if you're commenting. So maybe that's cool too.
1: Also, if you're not commenting on our videos, you should probably be commenting because there's a chance you can affect this episode of yeah. our show and, and bring up some points that are interesting for us to talk about. So Yep. All right, let's start with the most asked question by far. Why?
2: Where is the Mardu Humans deck?
1: Yeah, so a lot of people were disappointed that the, the Humans deck didn't get played. The one with Jarena Kudro on the cover. I think it's called Reckless Regiment. Yes, it's behind us somewhere here. And yeah. you would have seen it as well in all the product shots in the episode. So this year, of course, there were five pre-constructed decks for the Commander products. In the last few years, there's only been four. Which made it really easy for us because we sit at a table that only <laughs> really has room for four people. Everyone plays a deck. Yeah. Listen, we can't do a five player game. There's not a really good way to shoot it just because how do you lay it out? You need an entire another camera for wherever that person's sitting, right? Because they'd have to sit at like the head of the table. Now we're talking about an additional set of interviews for that person, which exponentially makes the entire episode harder. Because I think you actually
2: need two more camera angles because you can't just shoot them in isolation. You got yeah, to see them right. next to players. And so so we're two. adding two
1: cameras. We're adding a whole other <laughs> interview. Every time anything happens, that's another person that you have to choose. Do I cut to them? And Yowza. Yeah, so it's just exponentially harder. We're, whenever there's five, we're always going to have to only show four. I doubt we'll ever show a game with more than four people. It's just too difficult for the show. Um, so... The way that we choose our
2: decks, do you want to go through it? Yeah, it's pretty simple. The main thing that we want to do is give our guests the first choice at choosing what decks they're going to play on the show. So those show up on the day, and because these are the pre-cons, no one's ever seen them before. We'll give Alias and Cassius both a chance to look through and see, okay, which one of these decks would I like to pilot? And they decide between them, their first two picks, and then Josh and I, from the leftovers, would choose what we are going to play.
1: And that also happens when we don't do pre-constructed decks. So, like, for the Theros episode, we just showed everybody the legendary creatures beforehand and the guests get to choose which ones they want first and then Jimmy and I choose from what's left and then everybody brews their decks around those after they've chosen their commanders. Yep. So this just so happened that the Mardu humans deck, nobody chose it.
2: Just so happens. Uh And I think for you kind of obvious reasons it's a much more combat based deck people are coming on this show it's not like something that they can do every single episode and i think people want to play the decks that are most interesting to them so cassius saw the cycling deck and went this is sweet sweet value alias saw the monster deck and went this is awesome all these keywords i wanted to play with mutate because it's a new set and then josh of course is not going to (laughs) well actually josh has picked mardu in the past so let's not let's not make that clarification but
1: definitely the instance matter deck is like more up up my alley for sure. So, yeah. yeah, I don't think it's that surprising. The The Mardu deck is a little more straightforward, so just, you know, nobody went after it. I mean, if somebody wanted that deck, they would have played it. Uh, that's just the way it goes. One was going to be left out, I think, no matter what let's say the calamax deck didn't be played then mm-hmm. the comments would be full of like oh, very sad deck? about that so we get it but it's just impossible for us to play all five of them
2: yep and hey if you want to learn more about the marty humans deck we did a whole series on every single precon and how to upgrade them so just check out the channel and make sure you subscribe for that
1: yeah definitely good point all right let's start with some rules-based questions here from the episode um the first two not surprising (laughs) are centered around the most complicated new mechanic we've ever seen which is mutate a number of people asked jimmy why when you mutated onto the trumpeting gnar Mm -hmm. on turn four why it could attack they were thinking it should have summoning sickness because you chose to put otrimi on top and whatever josh i'm just going at you for six Okay, I have no blocks. Ouch! I will take six and go to 34.
2: Yep, so something Sickness, there are a lot of ways to describe it, but one of the main ways to know if a creature can attack is if it was under your control from the beginning of your turn. And because the Trumpeting Gnar is not leaving the battlefield and coming back as a new creature, Otrimi's mutating on top of it. It's still the same uh, card, if that makes sense. Like the physical card underneath is still the same one from the last turn. So that card has haste at this point, essentially, or it's not something Sick, so it can attack attack otrimi doesn't change the card in a way that your board looks at it and goes well you haven't had control of that since the beginning of your turn or whatever
1: yeah so. it's not a new permanent
2: yeah that's, it's a that's
1: permanent it that already existed that's now been altered
2: like an enchantment aura you might put on the creature exactly it so just happens to change the name and cmc and some other things if
1: it hadn't entered the battlefield effect it wouldn't get it again when otrimi mutated onto it right because right. it never left and came back so it's just the same permanent so yeah it it has It doesn't actually have haste, it just kind of feels like it has haste. Mm -hmm. Uh, But again, I think the the best way to describe it is it's like an aura almost, in that instance. Um, All right, the next question is about Mutate and the Command Zone. Uh, We have a clip to play for a lot of these, so uh, we probably played the clip for the last one without me giving any prelude, but let's watch the clip now.
3: All right, I will uphold my deal and I will blood curdle your big monster thing.
2: Oh gosh. Sweet. The ever playful Otremi is gonna go into the command zone. All right, so
1: the question here is when the mutate stack dies. Because alias removes it. Yeah. Thank you, alias, by the way. Um People were asking, well, if it's all one creature, why doesn't the trumpeting Gnar also go to the command zone with
2: Otrimi? And this is one of the ways that uh, Mutate starts to get pretty confusing. Yeah, obviously, Commander is a format that is going to mess with the rules a little bit because of changing zones and putting things into the command zone. Fortunately, Eli Sheffrin, who we always text in a hurry if we have a rules question.
1: We're literally on the day during game nights in this episode. there was I forget what came up, but we were like, pause, ask our judge. He's like, I'm not sure because this yeah, mechanic is weird. first time I've never And yeah. I'm like texting Eli and hoping he responds quickly because we're recording. Yeah. Like cameras are still rolling.
2: <laughs> Good thing Eli often answers like in a jiffy. So yeah, he, uh, he must be in tune when we're shooting. He's like me need to wake up now. <laughs> I think Stay Eli's just phone. on it
1: in general as yeah. a person.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So there was a large article. There's actually been a few. There's a Reddit AMA for all these real things. We also did. Um, so we should know a whole video about the mechanics of mutate, so we explain a lot of these uh, way more in depth. So mutate, uh, the new keyword counters. Eli Sheffrin's article about this particular sequence says, if a commander is part of a merged creature... That's what they're calling two creatures mutated onto each other. The resulting creature is a commander. If it leaves the battlefield and the commander is moved to the command zone instead, that permanent and the other cards contained by that permanent go to the appropriate zone while the commander card goes to the command zone. So when they leave the battlefield, they leave as a single unit, but then they split, I believe is kind of how it works. And then you can say, okay, well, the commander is changing zone, so I can choose to put that in the command zone. And then if these other cards just died or went to the graveyard, then they're just going to the graveyard. Right Low confusing.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said about uh, companion and whatnot, I think they just decided that they wanted it to work that way and then they wrote the world the rule rules so that like, yeah, because otherwise you wouldn't want to mutate onto stuff because you want it to generally go to the graveyard and because other cards that are in the command zone are just stuck there. Yeah, forever. You could never cast them if they're not your commander. So anyway, that is the official rule. You, you can choose to only put the commander part back in the command zone and, well, actually, you have to do that. I don't think
2: you can choose to put the trumpeting Gnar into the command zone if you even want to in that case. <laughs> it just sort of fizzles and goes into permanent exile, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, some weird words here too. Contained by that permanent merged creature. So just keep in mind that the wording around this may not be final either but this is how the rule works and again we we did an episode very
1: recently it's called most complicated new mechanics ever or something like that we'll put the thumbnail on screen we'll put the link in the show notes but if you're having any questions about mutator companion hopefully it will be answered in that video what was your judge face in that video mine was this mine was
2: <laughs> like what's going on I'm just like this <laughs> yeah oh geez. no what did they print this time <laughs> um and as far as rules questions go that's kind of it
1: I, I gotta say, this might be the first episode where we didn't have any sort of major mistakes. Co- Commander's super complicated. Even with an, a level two judge sitting here, we usually have like one or two things where, we're like, yeah, yeah, that we got that rule we wrong, we
2: missed something
1: because there's complicated board states. Yeah, in this one, we didn't really have that, but we did have some uh, decision or play, play mistakes. Yeah, and the first one's mine, and it's kind of a big one, I
2: think. Um, but so, this one is really—I didn't when I when I read this comment, I was like. Oh wait, they're separate triggers. Yeah, I saw it later when we were editing and was like, why didn't I do
1: that? Uh, I just didn't obviously think of it on the day. So I have at one point a bounce land and I play Frantic Search. In fact, let's play the clip. Okay, I'm going to float a red mana. Okay. Then I'm going to play Simic Growth Chamber, which will bounce the mountain that I tapped. And then I will add a blue and another red and I will play Frantic Search. Mm. So, I draw two cards and then discard two cards, and I untap three lands. Oof. All right. You float that mana, play a bounce land. Right. And I end up playing um, nothing after the Frantic Search. I discard the cards. I leave it untapped, and then I play like a growth spiral on my end, end step, on the end right. step before my next turn. But what I could have done here, and a lot of people pointed out is with the bounce land trigger on the stack. So you play the Simic Growth Chamber, and it says, okay, trigger, you have to bounce one of your lands back to your hand. Yep, it enters the battlefield, tapped, and it says, when this enters the battlefield, return the land you control to its owner's hand. So that triggers on the stack. I could tap the Arcane Signet on my other lands, cast Frantic Search, draw the two cards, discard the two cards, and now untap the three Three land,
2: land, yeah
1: and then i can float the mana again before the trigger for the bounce land goes off and bounces the mountain back to my hand and now i have the fourth mana and i can cast calamax
2: wow that's interesting
1: so now i have calamax on the battlefield a full turn earlier and think of how much this changes the game you're not able to attack me Mm -hmm. the following turn or you can't attack me with the beast so that saves me three life right there also my next turn I'm now casting my growth spiral and getting two growth spirals, right? Because it's tapped, or I'm maybe getting that on somebody else's turn and casting something on my turn. Yeah, it's it's a it's kind of a big play in the game. Who knows what would have happened? Um, I I obviously ran out of gas later in the game, and I don't know that this, this solves that problem. So I don't think it like makes me win. Right. But the tenor of the game, I think, is a lot different because maybe Jimmy's not coming at me as hard. Well, yeah, our feud ends earlier and probably doesn't restart, um, and so maybe we both have a little bit better chance in the game because we're not just slugging at each other.
2: Yeah. Also, like we made the note that you played an arcane signet first of everyone and you were the last in turn order so this a hundred percent would have at least made it feel like you were almost first player yeah so
1: an important interaction i think to point out to people that i missed on the day and yeah could have had a a a big effect and i think it's it's very easy to look at the end of games or the moments near when you die and say like those are the mistakes i made that caused me to you know not take down this game and and a lot of times mistakes you make earlier in the game have this domino effect that could have really altered it, and it's important to look at those too. So yeah, just something I missed
2: and clearly a mistake on my part and uh, uh, quite a few people pointed it out and yeah, you're totally right. It's interesting though, because when I play precons, typically my mind isn't in that spot. Which is just like, how can I get max value out of this thing and like abuse this mechanic a little bit to, to like cheat something out early? Yeah. It's I mean, more just like in the ha ha, play my cool things, slug them out, and it's easy to miss stuff like that for sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, in the moment, I remember like thinking there should be, there's probably something clever I can do here with this bounce land and just, you know, there's a lot going on in the days we're shooting game nights, uh, but I honestly can't say I would have thought of that in a normal commander game
2: all the time either. Like <laughs> things are just happening. So. That's the built, way it goes. Had you built the deck, you knew more about the interactions, maybe you wouldn't have missed it, right? But in this maybe. case... I mean, all
1: excuses, but I'm I'm, it's, I'm happy to just say, yeah, I missed it, I made play a mistake. Like, it happens all the time, yeah, honestly. it does happen all the time. Just put it on the list with the rest of them. Okay, another um, thing people questioned, which I think this one is more up in the air. It's not as yeah. cut and dry as the last one. Um, so on the turn where I play Paco, and I attack with it with Haste, and I exile cards from the top of everybody's library with fetch counters on them. On that same turn, I play Haldan because I have enough mana at the end. And what happens is, well, let's play the clip. And then I will tap three and I will play Haldan, Avid Arcanist. So good. And I will pass the turn. All right, I will untap and I will draw for turn. So I play the Haldan. or Haldan. Yeah. (laughs) And what happens is Jimmy ends up removing
2: the Haldan before it gets back to my turn. You, You actually like purposefully are like, nope. Yeah, right? I could wait one more turn to use my mana because you have a turn before me, but I'm like, I'm not letting you untap and having access to all those cards and more because Paco's going to swing again.
1: Yeah, so Jimmy waits till the end step before my turn just to make sure Cassius or Alias is not going to deal with it. And then he's like, no, okay, they didn't. I have to. Destroys my Haldan, which means I don't have access to all the cards, not just then, but throughout the rest of the game. And there's quite a few that Haldan exiles, which is a pretty big blow because that's a lot of card advantage I could have had access to. So a lot of people were like, Josh, why didn't you hold your Haldan in your hand and then play it the next turn? So at the very least, you can cast one of those spells because, you know, it's only a few mana and then you have mana left over. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get some value. And even if Jimmy removes it at that point, you got, you know, there was a Jace Architect of Thought in there. There yeah. was some other stuff. Um so, which I think is a, a a decent question to ask, and, and here's what how I would answer because I did think about that in the moment. Remember, Jimmy and I are still swinging at each other every turn, and I've just swung at him for like seven, nine or something. Nine, yeah. And but I know he's got like eleven power coming at me because you've got the you've got the Kazor, you've got the Beast token mm-hmm. that's got a plus one counter. You got the Otrimi trumpeting Gnar R. mutate with a plus one counter on it. Haldan's can is a one 4 so can keep the Kazor away from attacking me which it doesn't attack you by the way right it goes at alias alias. yeah Yeah. so that's a big point which is why i played it i also had you remember a couple turns later i play prophetic bolt i had that in my hand so i was thinking you know actually if he removes if somebody i didn't know jimmy was going to do it but if somebody removes haldan that means calamax is still out and i get this extra card off prophetic bolt and if they remove calamax that means haldan's still out and i can have extra cards. cards what i didn't want to do is have only one of those out and then one removal spell really sets me back. So that was my thinking at the time. Maybe it's incorrect.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think we've all seen what happens if you bet a little too hard on one thing or the other. Cassius especially, right, with Estrid. So, yeah. like, you want you to... I, I think in these decks, too, we all kind of know that there's a lot of removal. There's a lot of sort of pinpoint removal to keep the balanced environment, uh, the environment a little more balanced and fair. So I, I can see it going both ways. But at the same time, we just had a deck tech about Paco and Haldan, um... Well, actually, you'll see that later. We have we just uh,
1: recorded it, but it's coming out. Uh, yeah, and
2: part year. of the discussion is like, when should you play? How then, when Paco's out, and should you wait and all that stuff? But in this case, I think you're pretty safe to do these sorts of things if you don't think people are going to like inherently like I like me in this case won't like have to get rid of that.
1: Yeah, and and I don't know that anybody has a removal spell even, so it's possible both survive. I also think generally when it's close, I'm going to do the more mana efficient play. Yeah. So to me, like, leaving the three mana just not using it is a downside. Like, sometimes you do want to do that, but in general, if you cannot, then you should use your mana, and
2: I was like... You know, if Haldun gets removed, I thought I was still in an okay spot because of that prophetic bolt. You were in an okay spot. You know, what I just realized though, had you cast your Calamax earlier, that means Paco also would have come out earlier too, and then that would have changed every single card that he exiled because it would have happened to turn earlier.
1: <laughs> yeah, the domino effect. Of it's impossible that, to of that really actually is, yeah.
2: understand. Yeah, what what happens? Okay, later on in the game, I throw a hail mary as I am on death's door and I cast a massive Genesis Hydra for nine. Flip nine cards over and I choose one of them that is not a card that a lot of people said, hey, why didn't you cast this instead? Yeah, wait, wait, let's play the clip. Oh yeah, play the clip. Look, I'm not even sure what's in the deck that could potentially save me in this situation, but you gotta just hope for it. So let's see what we get. So I'm going to reveal the top 9 cards in my library and I can cast a non-land permanent with CMC 9 or less from among them onto the battlefield. Hmm. Uh, nothing good here. Yeah, I like that. Oh gosh. So you'll see the card, it doesn't get highlighted because I say I'm choosing between two of the cards here. Uh, turns out uh, Genesis Hydra has... It's called Deadly Tempest. Deadly Tempest. It's a board wipe that gets rid of all creatures but also deals you damage equal to how many creatures you control, I believe. Jimmy, why didn't you just cast the board wipe? I know. I should have if I could have. Because Genesis Idris says you may cast Narn Land permanent. Yeah, it has to be a permanent. Yeah, so we're looking lands, enchantments, all oh not even lands, enchantments, artifacts, planeswalkers, all that good stuff, creatures. Yeah, people are like
1: Jimmy, why didn't you wrath? He listened. He would have 100 done it. Yeah, that sounds
2: kidding. like a great idea <laughs> in that situation. Even if it kills me, I would have raft because I was going to die anyway. So instead, I chose the card that would have saved me my life. Now, maybe the better question is: Is propaganda better because the next turn she plays the selective whatever adaptation? Yeah, and that's a six mana spell. Had she been able to do that, and she gets um, the. Uh, uh, the black uh, Soul of Innistrad. Sunblast Angel, Angel was huge. Yeah. And the Soul of Instra was game ending. So.
1: Yeah, I actually think, I mean, it turned out, I think Propaganda was the correct play because at the very least, what happens is in order to kill you, she has to waste all our mana for her turn, mm-hmm. in which case she can't play the selective adaptation. You're still dead in that case. So I don't know that you care as much. It, you doing that was better for Cassius and I, unless of course she decided it wasn't worth it to pay the man and she still wanted to selective adaptation. But yeah. then in that case, if she does that, she can't kill you. Yeah, but my board still gets wiped because I swing out. Well, you know, you still have the mind leecher to block because mm-hmm. you just played it and the Genesis Hydra, so you would still be alive with some stuff. Yeah, is another thing to scoff at, but she does have a removal spell, we know. Well, she had to get it back, and she had to pay for the Nyx waiver to get it, so she wouldn't have had the mana to do all that if she selective Adaptation. So, Propaganda either saves you or saves Cassius and me,
2: one of the two, but in the moment, it was hard to know. Yeah, it's interesting. I also, like, I think she didn't have that many cards in her hand, but she did have the one card, which is, this is the one that refills your hand or your graveyard. And we We, don't even know. She could have drawn that that turn.
1: Yeah. Actually, no, no, we do know, because... She drew it, and she said, like, ooh, and we were like, uh-oh. <laughs> she, like... <laughs> this one's good. Yeah. so maybe I should have read into that a little more. Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think I would have gone with the propaganda there just because I think that would have... Like, you were dead anyway, you even said, and you're like, what's costing her more? One of her creatures or a bunch of her mana? And I think, actually, I would have thought the mana is almost like time-walking her. So maybe, uh-huh. maybe that's more worth it than, like, just trying to, you know, block and kill one creature. Yeah, Cassius did get a good
2: swing at her after that because she had to kind of tap out. No, him. no, because
1: Sunblast Angel kills all. of Oh, that's stuff, right. Sunblast so he doesn't have anything
2: left. Yeah. Well, either way, that card was back breaking. Yeah, so.
1: <laughs> I mean, Sunblast Angel into uh, into the rest of it is Soul of Innistrad.
2: Yeah. You get all your cards back now. This is the deck that has just been. Yeah, it had the most staying power for sure in that moment.
1: All right, there's a, another play that people were wondering about, and it was. There's a turn later in the game, you're kind of at low life, and Alias goes to attack you, and you use Reclamation Sage on the Shining Impetus because it's kind of the only removal spell you've got. Um, let's, yeah, let's play the clip.
3: We're gonna move to combat, and I'm going to attack you, Jimmy, for seven.
2: Um, I think if I don't do this, I'm gonna die. I'm going to tap three and flash out Reclamation Sage, and I will blow up the Shiny Impetus. What? <laughs> so i was able to cast the reclamation stage at instant speed because of the uh, uh barracuda the barracuda title barracuda that was out uh and people are asking well jimmy this creature heck, it could go either at you or cassius why didn't you use the shiny uh, the reclamation reclamation stage to blow up the impetus before combat so that it could also go at josh because it was josh's goaded thing uh, in my case, I think what I was thinking is she has a choice between me or Cassius to attack. If I cast his Reclamation, Reclamation Sage and blow up the Shiny Impetus, then she's definitely attacking me because I just did something to affect her creature's power. But if I don't do anything, there is a chance that she goes after Cassius instead. and then he I was can at higher my, life. Yeah. And I can hold my mana up. I can choose how to do things differently. Maybe I have a different target for the Sage and later on uh, when the turn goes around. Um, and it was really only the difference of two, two
1: life, two life which two. two life to you a was a lot at the moment but yeah yeah i don't think the treasure mattered too much cuz i had a bajillion. <laughs> but yes it, it was a treasure um yeah it's an interesting choice there cuz you have a 50/50 chance in that case if you maybe blow less, up, yeah maybe different than if that if you blow up the shiny
2: impetus you have a 33% chance But I think that pushes her hand into definitely attacking me if I do that.
1: Right. She's like, hey, I wanted my creature to be bigger.
2: You're already close to the death. I've already started attacking you with other stuff, Jimmy. Why would I not finish the job type of thing? I mean, having seen the rest of the game play out, I feel like she was attacking you
1: almost no matter what. I think she had decided, Jimmy's the easiest kill. I'm going to take him out and Mm -hmm. then I'm going to move down the line. And that was her plan because she just went, you, (laughs) me, me. Cassius she 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 had a she had a plan and it worked um focus is what it was yeah she was focus firing she wasn't gonna she had you know, past the point in the game where I think she was spreading it around and had decided like, yeah, we're going to start like taking people out and trying to get towards the end of this game, which yeah. I appreciate, by the way, like game's got to end. But yeah, I, I don't
2: think it would have stopped it from coming at you either way. So maybe... And the end result's still the same, right? I'm getting rid of the extra damage. I would have played that... Bef- if if I played it before and she still attacked me and if I did it after she attacked me, the end damage is still the same. Right, right. Because I'm getting rid of the impetus.
1: Yeah, it, was, it, it had upside. You, you had a chance to not get hit So you're saying there's a chance. Yeah, exactly. Well, we've got a bunch more questions, uh, including a bunch of questions about what the future of Game Nights holds considering the pandemic and everything. We talked about it a little on the last round table, but we've got obviously farther into it and we know a little bit more now. But before we get to all that, we're going to take a quick break and hear a message from our sponsors
2: All right, we are back and this is the round table for Commander 2020, the new precons with special guests Cassius Marsh and Alias V now we're going to get into some more interesting questions and again these are the comments that we're pulling from the youtube video if you see your name up on screen it's because you asked the question that most likely a lot of other people were curious about so thank you one for commenting and uh let's just keep moving on here So so this is an interesting one uh a question sort of asking wanting a peek
1: behind the curtain of how the process works uh some people were asking when fierce guardianship got
2: gets played um Cassius plays it to stop Alias from casting... Her
1: impetus. Her impetus, yeah. In fact, we have the clip. Let's play the clip. Uh, Response, I will cast Fierce Guardianship. And it will cost me no mana
2: because I control my commander.
1: Whoa. (laughs) Wait, it's free?
2: Mm, Good job, Cassius. How did you do that? No mana?
1: So if you notice in that clip, I am surprised. I'm like, wait, it's free? And somebody asked, well, Josh... You guys have the decks early, mm-hmm. and don't you know about the card? Is that real surprise, or are you faking it for camera? And uh, listen, I want to say, at the beginning, we're not above, like, playing into a bit. Like, I'm not saying we... <laughs> we had an arm wrestling match, and we dressed yeah. up in fake tuxes. We play into bits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so it's it's a legit question. In this case, no, that was real surprise. Because we didn't build these decks, they're pre-constructed decks... I never even really looked at them. That, I think that's kind of the fun for me of some of these episodes. is Sight unseen, shuffle up. Yeah, exactly. Now, I looked at my own deck before I played it because that's important to do, I think, before you play your deck just so you have an idea of what it's doing, what's in there, what you might top deck. Mm-hmm. If there's tutors, what you need a tutor for, although precons generally don't have tutors. But, you know, I think you want to know your own deck. And we had played these decks the night before, although I had played the Mardu deck. Um, but we would just sort of given them one... Test game the night before. We don't actually get these decks like weeks in advance. Usually, we get them and within a day or two. The yeah. Wizards tells us on this date you're gonna get the decks, and we schedule shooting the episode as soon after that point as possible because that gives us the most amount of time to edit. Mm-hmm. So usually it's like physically get the decks in the mail next day or day after that we're shooting. Yep. Um and it's already been pre scheduled for months. So we played the decks once the night before. Cassius couldn't make it, so it was me, Jimmy, alias, and one of our editors, uh don't remember. Josh? Who. I think it was Murphy. Murph. Okay. And then uh or maybe Jake. And then Maybe Jake. Yeah. So I only knew the cards that had gotten played in that one game the night before.
2: So we didn't have huge in-depth knowledge of the decks. Now our judge will go through and read all the cards to make sure that they understand what's going on there.
1: But that's the morning of the shoot. We're running around, setting up cameras,
2: getting everything ready. Yeah. Uh, so, d- did you look at all the decks before we played? I sifted through all of them, so I knew that cycle existed. Uh, but it still caught me by surprise when it happened, because, you know, you're still looking at a bunch of new cards. You don't really realize, oh, crap, that is a possibility at this point, even though Cash is tapped out. You just sort of figure precon environment, people are tapping out, people are just getting their cards on the battlefield, and that's it.
1: Yeah, I knew that I had Deflecting Swat in my deck, but I didn't know it was a cycle, and I certainly didn't know what the blue one did. So, I was like, wait, what? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> i actually... I'm still like, wait, what, on that card. So, like, even if I saw it tomorrow, I'd be like, wait, let me read it again. That's
2: Yeah, yeah, it's free. Yeah, and we played two of them. We also played the fog effect yep. during this one as well. So, yeah, that was real surprise. Okay, so impetuses were flying around in this game. Obviously, a lot of them hit me at the end of the game. Uh, and there was one case when Cassius himself cast one on Alias's commander. And, well, let's roll the clip and see what we say about it. I'll play Marshall Impetus. And I will target Kethril. Whoa. What? This
1: is a new cycle of cards from the Aquaria Precons, and it's almost like it's better than Cassius removing it. Because of Goad, it can't attack him. So rather than kill the thing, he turned it into a
2: weapon that's now working for him. So Josh, this one's sort of removed, or uh, sorry, removed. This one's sort of targeted at you here.
1: Yeah, so I made the statement that, like, this impetus from Cassius on Alias' commander was almost like better than removing it because it was now a weapon that is working for him. And people were like, yeah, they quoted me in quotes in the comments saying that, and then said, but in all the podcast episodes,
2: you said to take these out of the deck and that the impetus cycle sucked. We did say to take them out of almost every single deck. And we did maybe allude to the fact that this cycle kind of sucks, but and I, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was like, we're not playing in constructed commander games here. This is the precon environment.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I do think those cards are not very good, and I don't think they go in very many decks, and I do think you should take them out of all the pre-cons when you're upgrading these decks. Here's the thing. I'm going to use a sports analogy. I apologize for those people who don't like sports. Ba-da-da. Let's say the worst player on your team takes a three-point shot. The guy that's the worst shooter, a girl. That's not a good shot for your team to be taking. Mm-hmm. In However, general. Yeah. However, sometimes that shot goes in. That doesn't mean that you should want that player to take all of your shots. That doesn't mean that that player's shooting percentage has changed. This is a similar thing. I don't think those impetuses are very good. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean there's no cases in games where the impetuses do good things. Right. What we're saying is the 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 average case scenario, or the the especially in like you said in larger commander games, like in a precon environment, that card's going to look a lot better than it will in another environment because there's just less interaction. You notice in this game, big creatures just kind of matter more than they generally do just Mm -hmm. because there's not a ton of board wipes. So, yeah, I think it was good in this game and I I was reflecting on it in the context of in this game, not in the context of, you know, all games of commander
2: yeah also like it might be like that player can only take that three-point shot when you're playing a practice scrim yeah with the uh, you want
1: to because you want to get better at it but in a real game if the championship's on the
2: line lebron james takes the shot yeah you're you're giving the highest percentage chance yeah steph curry takes that shot yeah steph curry's definitely taking the three (laughs) he's taking like an eight based on where he shoots the ball seriously sometimes he's like yeah, almost half, half court. court i'm like what and then it goes in swish you're like all right never doubt it's insane okay <laughs> uh, so we still think the impetuses are bad and still take the battle of all the day yeah it's again everything's relative here so you can see how they shine relatively but in that game that impetus was was great for cash <sighs> it's great for everyone but me <laughs> All right, well, speaking of me and everyone but me, in this case, viewers have known my luck to be pretty abysmal over the years. However, this is an episode where Josh even says in the episode, people are getting lucky and I will say that there was a bit of a turn of fortune here. So let's take a look at a couple of sequences and see and gauge who's the actual lucky ones here. I'm going to tap five mana and cast Animus Awakening for X equals to four. Oh my gosh, here we go. So I reveal the top four cards in my library, put all land cards among them on the battlefield tapped. Oh, come on. Three lands and a oh. Manascape Refractor. You got
1: three That's off of it? So Heck good. yeah, let's go. So we're gonna go to combat. <laughs> And I'm going to swing the nascent Ooh. metamorph at Ailey. Oh, boy. Yeah. You're going to reveal cards until we hit a creature.
3: Okay. soul nope. Ring. Ugh. Oh, <laughs> oh, come on. That's
2: so trash.
3: <laughs>
2: okay. So I cast Animus Awakening for four. Not a huge number. Chances I hit lands probably around two, right? Yeah, probably. One, one to two, maybe? Yeah.
1: It's not very great. When you did it, I was like, oh, that's not... Like, what if you only get one land?
2: <laughs> well, I did do it because we had just made the ceasefire. Yeah. Like, this is the only chance for me to try and get ahead, and I don't have anything else in my hand I really want to play right now, so I may as well take the shot on this. I got three lands off of it. Three oh. out of four. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a big game, honestly. That is a big game. Good yeah. job, me. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes the, the dice do roll in my favor. Yeah, and me with the Sakura tri Elder, that didn't yeah. work out super great. Yeah, I, I would say it. it I couldn't. Yeah, I could Probably the worst card to to get. It, so it has a be sure, but but it's I mean, almost insult to. She
1: has all kinds of things in there with first strike, double strike, life link, all she, kinds. Yeah. of Yeah, it's talpa in there. Yeah, and imagine if I had gotten something big. She gets pretty low later. It could have really mattered. It would have mattered for Cassius, probably not myself. He would have probably sequenced things a little differently that, yeah I mean, she's not. Maybe it, it it saves me in some ways in that she can't attack with as much stuff because she can't leave her shields down right. as much. So she might have to like,
2: she took a bunch of damage. She might have to sit there and block, mm-hmm. and so maybe that buys me an extra turner. Two, so... Well, then she might definitely be dead to a Browlin, and Cassius can start playing the math that way, right? Probably he's, he still wins and I don't, but, you know, <laughs> it, yeah. Uh, it's interesting because... In real life, outside of magic, I would say you're definitely luckier than I am. Yeah, I. it's definitely, it gets highlighted almost like it, it waits. My bad luck is like, all right, well, I'm coming around, but when to do it? When you're on camera. Yeah,
1: it's weird because oh, definitely
2: I think, like, if we ask, like, Matt or Freddie. Oh, yeah. And Matt, I was, Matt has told me he thinks I'm the luckiest person he's ever met. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like yeah so it's pretty funny to me that
1: like in game nights the, the 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 myth or the legend of you is like having bad luck but that's actually not Jimmy in real life
2: yeah and I do take crazier risks in game nights that's for sure
1: ah, yeah because it's good you want the swings to be big on camera yeah, why not it's fun All right, well, once again, we had a lot of animation appreciation. A lot of people saying that the uh, animations in this episode were better than ever.
2: Yeah, and not only that, there were multiple animations for certain cards. Like the Dinosaur Cat, I think, had three animations total tied to it. So it was a lot more fleshed out. There's a lot of awesome stuff. I mean, props to two things for animations, the animation as well as the direction and the sound design that goes into making the final thing work. Because if you just had the Calamax going like, right right but there's not a you can't hear the lightning bolts you don't hear any of the roaring screaming then it sucks it's just a fun little animation let's play a couple of them i will tap four mana and i'm going to mutate otrimi the ever playful onto my trumpeting gnar Uh so you're gonna put it on top right yeah it's gonna be on top it's gonna be a six six with all of the abilities of both cards wow yikes that's pretty cool Okay, uh, yeah, I can't do anything about that. So,
1: Calamax is now attacking Jimmy.
2: I will cast Tidal Barracuda. Uh, Barracuda. Bar-ra-cuda. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I like what you said there. Uh, Listen, Sam Waldo, who does the animations, the visual parts of the animation, does a great job. And I think you can see how Sam has improved at it Mm -hmm. as we go. So people saying that the animations are getting better, that's 100% true because Sam is learning something every time. Understanding the card art a little better too, right? What the artist is trying to intend. We used to just only have the characters pop out and move. And now sometimes we fly into the card. And now we're having the sometimes the characters come in from off screen and do stuff before they land in the card. They don't just jump out of the card. Yeah. And so Sam's like adding to his toolbox every single time and being like, Oh, we can do this. And so it's been really great to see when we have the conversations of, you know, what should we do with this animation? What would make sense? And then I really like what you said about the sound design, Um, you know, for budding filmmakers, editors, content creators out there, I always say, and it's always been true. Sound is more important than visuals. Because if you make something sound good, it's a lot easier to make it look good. Hmm, Making something safe. look good doesn't always make it sound good. And sound can give you so much scope. Like the size of Calamax really comes through right. if it roars correctly. And you see a lot of content creation out there where they have cool visuals and stuff, and there's no sound to go along with it. And it just feels a lot more Wait. hollow uh and not as deep and sound just adds so much so
2: play around with sound if you haven't done that in your content creator and go watch a michael bay transformers movie yep. if you want to learn about amazing sound design you may not like the movie but when they like dive into the mess of gears and all the cranking and stuff and you can just see like just silver metal everywhere but it still feels like you're in a giant crazy futuristic robot just based on how the cranks and things all happen yeah so. that stuff is nuts yep um but yeah i love the little mutate too when the otrimi became the Nar, and the Nar became the otrimi that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah fortunately that was the only time it mutated in the episode it would have been fun to see if there are other things out there but I'm sure that one took a lot of work yeah it's
1: it's funny because we were all like thank goodness that Jimmy only mutates one time because we couldn't do this every single time yeah, it's, it's pretty so much compli- work yeah and it's pretty complicated from a lot of different aspects so I know a lot of people want to see more mutate and I think it would have been nice if if you were able to maybe one more time or something to, yeah but I definitely wouldn't have wanted like seven mutates going on in that episode
2: spoiler alert I didn't really draw any
1: yeah so. uh, there's there's actually a only like what 12 or 13 mm-hmm. music cards in that deck so mm-hmm. not super surprising all right the next one is um <laughs> it's prescient like you predicted the future because remember w- well we're going to talk about this a little later but you uh, or we recorded this episode months ago months ago yeah yeah so people a lot of comments this is probably the second or maybe the first most commented thing was jimmy
2: you got taken out by the murder hornet murder hornets and in i don't know if you knew this but in the pacific northwest i believe in america we've had the first reported case of basically murder hornets uh which are these it's an online meme thing that's going on right now which is just like can 2020 get any worse yes it can now we have these hornets with mandibles the size of your fingernails flying around and they're trying to desperately get rid of them and i guess i think three stings will will kill the average person or something like that gosh well i think it's like it's as though someone is Literally, just like taking a chunk out of your skin, I've seen the bite videos um you I think this is not the in the last video, I said something about uh staying apart, staying close, and something as well, and someone like Jimmy didn't realize how oppression that was going to be yeah so, there's two episodes in a row now where I've said something, and it's kind of happened. Uh, but in this case, it's it's Hornet Queen. It's been around since M15. Yeah, next, I just <laughs> on the next episode talk about everybody eating ice cream or something how about that. Like, let's get something good. <laughs> yeah, if it's like another unhinged episode, we could find something in that world. I'm sure. But yeah, that that by the way, that Hornet Queen one of the earliest things into the graveyard, the most impactful card I think by far in the entire game. That's a really good point. Let's talk about that. Alias, think of how great she played. On
1: turn three, she Abs and charms so she can have an extra card in her hand because she wants to discard, discard Hornet Queen, specifically because she knows that her commander cares about keywords in the graveyard. I don't know if she had... A f- is Bonders Ornament or something? No, it Yeah, no. Ornament ornament. Hit the, It hit the it's graveyard. It's not Bonders Ornament. That's the Man of Rock. But I don't know if she had the card that brings back. Oh, 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 yeah. yeah in her hand. gives a counter the, to it. Yeah, in yeah. the opening turn. But like, I don't think I would have made that play. I wouldn't have wanted the card disadvantage. I would have waited till I could play Abzan Charm and keep both cards in my hand. But- I most likely would have used it as a removal spell. Yeah. So the fact that she very early in the game was like, "Nope, I want to get, I want to do what my deck wants to do." And the Hornet Queen is what wins her the game. Basically, I think the Sunblast Angel on that together. But yeah,
2: it, but I mean, think about the Nix Weaver and how much it held off because yep. it had the Death Touch counter
1: on it. Yep. So. so yeah, she just she played great. uh She definitely outplayed everybody at the table. <laughs> I, a lot of people were like, "That deck's just better," or whatever. It's not. Actually. It's not. Yeah. We played the decks that deck is in the middle. I would say that the cycling deck is generally the
2: most powerful deck in that environment. But yeah, it de- may not have the closing power, but it also has... I mean, like, when I played it, I had an army of, like, 10 one a bunch of two twos, and was ready to swing on kill every deck Tons of cards in hand, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, she definitely played really, really well. All right, so
1: let's talk about... We alluded to it just now. This next section is going to be more about um, the process of recording the episode and sort of what we're doing moving forward here. A lot of people were asking obviously because of lockdown protocols social distancing etc when did you guys record this episode um because obviously right now you really can't get the amount of people we would need to record game nights in all into one small studio yeah there's not be safe room to do in it.
2: here you could fit like five people in here if they all had six feet of distancing
1: and And maybe not even that, yeah and and when we record, we usually have about ten people in this room because we have a DP, we mm-hmm. have a judge, we have somebody taking down notes for the game, we have a sound guy. I mean, there's all kind- and then the four players obviously who are sitting within six feet of each other. We recorded this episode of course, in early March, so lockdown protocols had not happened. we in I think in Washington in Seattle area, it, the, things and had it started in some places, up yeah. and, and and you know it was getting a little scary, but so far, At the time, I don't even think we ever even foresaw, like, what was going to happen.
2: No way. And also, like, the information that we had was very, very different compared to what we know now. And just in terms of where other parts of the world were being affected and what we could learn from them. So, we didn't... We sort of knew things were awry, but we had no idea to what degree and if it was going to be considered something that we had to obviously take much more drastic measures to protect ourselves against.
1: Yeah. So, if if we were recording this, we wouldn't. We just couldn't. And we haven't... uh, during yeah. the lockdown stuff. So then people were asking, well, like, if you recorded in early March, then why has it taken so long for this episode to release? Because Release dates. Yeah. <laughs> so originally this episode was supposed to come out. A month in, ago? Yeah. In, in like mid to late April. Because if you remember, Ikoria, Layer of Behemoths and the Commander Project were supposed to come out then. But they delayed the release of the physical cards in North America, Europe, and some other regions. It did come out in Asia and some, mm-hmm. some places on the, the, the original date. So, you know, when they were deciding to do that, they talked to us and, and you know, together we both said we should probably push the date back of the episode. Yeah. Uh, because it's just, like, weird for us to be, like, Hey, look at these cards and decks. They're cool. You can't actually get a hold of these for like a month though.
2: <laughs> and if we had said anything in the episode and the interview is like, go on, get them now. Then we'd have to cut it around that, you know, like, so obviously we want to time it up and the show is brought to you by wizards of the coast. So there's no reason why we wouldn't be incommunicado with them to be like, Hey, when do you think is the best time to come out this episode? Cause we're obviously doing this in support of each other here.
1: And you know, we're going to talk about this more in a second, but we weren't, we knew at that point, Hey, we're probably not going to be able to record the next one. So, for me and the team, we were like, do you want an extra two and a half, three weeks to work on the episode? Yes, we do. Yeah, why not? Because a lot of times for these episodes, you know, Jake and Murph and I are working 80, 90 hour weeks, the week or two before they come out. Just to get it done on time, especially when they're long episodes
2: like the Theros episode. We were working in t- you know, from 8 a.m. till midnight every or special episodes like Brandon Sanderson's draft queue. Like yeah. draft. Like there's a bunch of other things you have to incorporate when you're explaining those out. So for us to be like, hey, you won't have to work any eighty hour weeks on this one, we were like, okay, we'll take it. A little bit of upside, you know. It- I mean, you guys had the praise for the animations as well. So there's a lot more, more, right? Like when you finish an episode, would you say there's a list of things that you wanted to do, but you couldn't every time? Yeah, there you go. So now some of those things were able to be done because of a little extra time. And for sure,
1: this episode had the smallest list of that we've ever had probably. So, yeah. yeah. And then, so the next question is, will there be an episode? A lot of people are like, oh, can you do another episode building around the Godzilla cards? Yeah. The legends from the main set layer of behemoths. And Here's the thing: There was going to be that episode. We had it planned. We had guests booked. In fact, we had a really cool theme, which I won't spoil because we're still going to use it again, hopefully in the future. And then, yeah, it was in
2: my calendar since January, the shoot date, because we had locked yep, it in a really. We had early. locked it
1: in. We had the guests. We knew the dates, and then the health crisis happened, and we
2: had to cancel it. So, because we we couldn't have people flying in. Yeah yeah I'll. the last thing we want to do is say like hey everyone's going into lockdown we were actually i think it was like april 4th is when we planned on filming it yep. and this is after the lockdown in fact began.
1: we waited we were like uh, how bad is it gonna get let's wait and see if you know it only lasts like a week nope and then we're like, <laughs> only we're like okay can't, week, yeah. everybody cancel
2: their flights we couldn't be asking the guests too, to like yeah. risk their lives and get on flights and stuff like that at that fortunately all of the airline companies clearly understood why people were canceling flights as well so th- th- we didn't have you know we didn't suffer a huge loss here but we did suffer a delay obviously
1: well, that's just a cancellation. Yeah, that we, one's cancellation, right? We'll never be able to film the Aquaria Lair or Behemoth episode. Well, it never is a long time, but right now there's no plans to do it, and we're gonna have to move on to M twenty one now. And we're so th- oh, I guess this should lead into the next question, which is just pandemic questions, and mostly questions regarding how the health crisis is going to affect game nights moving forward, and if we're even gonna be able to make it in the near future. And right now, the answer is we don't know. We're talking with Wizards about M21. We're hoping... Because you also have to understand, Wizards has been affected, right? All the Wizards employees are not all, but I'm not sure
2: what percentage, but a lot of them are working from home. Their manufacturing got... Um, affected Distribution centers, right? These are all places where people need to be close to each other. Like, we work with our distributor, Penny Arcade, for all of our stuff. And it took months and months for them to reopen safely under the correct guidelines. And they need to make sure they're following those to a T before they're even able to operate. So, there's a lot going on behind the scenes here. And they're not still up to full operation. Yep. And, you know, you you
1: can imagine that. So, the normal process by which we talk to wizards, figure out a date. They can get us the cards early because, again, we have to get the physical cards way before they're available in stores, has that's all been disrupted by the health crisis. So we're in the middle of talks with them about when we may be able to get M21 cards. And then it's like, okay...
2: If we get it then, can we even shoot the episode? Can we even get everybody in a room? Will it be safe? That's, I think, the most important thing. Because people might ask, well, why don't you just do your own homebrew commander decks or whatever? And there's a couple of answers to that. One, not safe to shoot in those environments. But two, this show exists because of the sponsorship. And especially during these times when every other part of revenues are down because people aren't out there. The ad buys on YouTube are completely different. We can't just go willy-nilly make the show because we're not we don't have the way to pay for it either. The editor, you've got to
1: pay like twelve hundred hours plus of labor, and some of that is obviously Jimmy and mine, but a lot of it is other people that like have to pay their rent and stuff. They can't just work for free for that amount of time. So the show has to generate enough re- revenue to pay for that stuff, and then there's equipment and rentals and all kinds of things and the health. Yeah, I'd say, like you said, the biggest thing though is. Can we? Is it safe to get that amount of people into a room in a tight space
2: to actually record the game? And I would say no at <laughs> the moment the answer is definitely no i mean major studio motion pictures with yeah. hundreds of millions of dollars behind them are being stopped right now our rinky dink yeah nights. little <laughs> little youtube
1: show is deaf but i will say that in california they are starting to sort of s- slowly soften some of the stuff some businesses are being allowed to go back to work and so we're in kind of a wait and see mode where it's like let's talk to wizards let's figure out when we can get the product Maybe if the, if the lockdown stuff loosens up enough where we get the indicators that, yes, it would be okay for a small amount of people, and then maybe we shoot it in a different way where, like, We figure out a way to have less people in this room. Our sound guy could be outside. Our judge could be watching on a monitor in another room. You know, so now, okay, we only
2: need four people in the room, or maybe we only need five, and, you know, maybe then... still so much that's going on there. And, I mean, the main thing is, like, we're here setting an example in different ways, and if we're going to lead by example in terms of how we want our quality of gameplay and stuff to be edited and shown online, we need to also lead in the way that we create that content. So... So the answer to the question is we don't know, but
1: there's a good chance that there's not another Game Nights for a number of months. Um, We've never been in the situation in the last few years where we stopped, we've released a Game Nights, and we weren't immediately working on On the the next next one. This is the first time that's ever happened. We do have some things in the can coming up. We recorded a few, uh, a couple extra, uh, episodes of Extra Turns because of our Kickstarter last year. Mm -hmm. And those were recorded, you know, months and months months and months ago. ago. So we get to work on those now. Those, we've been working on them because again, we delayed this episode. We had some extra time. So we've got that to sort of parcel out there we obviously have our podcast stuff we're trying to come up with other video ideas to sort of fill the time but yeah as far as game nights is concerned unfortunately it's up in the air we don't know but i'd say there's a good chance that there just isn't a game nights for a little while uh we're going to do the best we can but we have to weigh all the factors
2: and, and make the responsible choices and we appreciate you all understanding and not demanding most of you
1: yeah. All right. Uh, big thanks. <laughs> other people we appreciate. Cardkingdom.com slash command zone. Absolutely. If you want to get your hands on the Commander 20 product, singles, layer of behemoths, booster boxes, bundles, again, singles, M21 is right M21. around the corner. It's gonna, we're going to start probably pre- seeing preview cards and things like that. Uh, I think it's
2: going to be pretty cool. I've I've heard a little bit in my ear about it and i think it's gonna be neat
1: so on, that's on the horizon so that's something to look out for in order you know you're gonna get these magic cards anyway so if you just use cardkingdom.com slash command zone when you do you are supporting supporting all of our
2: content and of course like we just alluded to staying clean safe and protected is very important as well and that goes to your cards you don't want to just play your cards onto a table you want to play them onto a play mat. you want to play them onto something that you know it's going to keep them safe and not get them dinged up you're going to want to put them in the right sleeve so ultra pro another sponsor of the show they also sponsor the awesome giveaways that we're still able to ship out to you all by the way from game nights don't forget to enter if you haven't already you have until one week from the release of the episode to enter so hopefully probably have like one day yeah so this is your final reminder but yeah big thanks ultra pro as always we've been talking to them as well they've had to shut down a lot of their distribution and manufacturing centers so it's been a really hard time Uh,
1: We didn't mention this on any of our content, but UltraPro switched over a bunch of their manufacturing so they could make facial shields and stuff, and they're donating that. That's right. They were donating that to like uh, medical personnel. So UltraPro really. Yeah, Ultra Pro really, like, helping out in, in a tough time uh, in the world and helping
2: out the medical community. So, you know, we couldn't be more proud to have a sponsor like that for sure. Yeah, and look, if they're, ma- if they're qualified to make that stuff, they're definitely qualified to make the best magic product as well to protect your stuff. I'm serious. I'm that's serious. Absolutely I'm a absolutely really serious. Good point. <laughs> Yeah, that's a really that's good That's like point. a really high tier to hit, by the way. <laughs> uh, uh, and the last way to support the show is directly at patreon.com slash command zone. We love our patrons. Josh and I are on the Discord for those at that tier, every day answering questions, and we're able to get into some of the more nitty-gritty questions as well and we have a whole long list of things we've talked about in the past so if you want to get on there make sure you check out the patreon we shout out users every single episode of the podcast they get free merch if you're at the right tier for long enough. There's lots of great perks to being there. And most importantly, they are our most important supporters forever and always. They are really keeping us afloat right now. Obviously, economics in the world are
1: uh, in a rough position. It's no different for us. So, yeah. patrons, you all rock Thank for sure. All. And uh, thanks, everybody, out there for watching this episode. We'll be back with a, another podcast, I think, later this week. So
2: mm-hmm. hit that subscribe button. Yeah, and the notification bell. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. Bye bye.